Yeah, I see your little. Don't you see me bouncing around when I talk, and you're bouncing around when you talk? Yeah, I, I do now. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. hey, I see you moving. I'm like, what? <laughs> I see you moving, Ted. Uh, I, I saw you get dressed this morning, but I, I can't hear you. I see you. <laughs> Give me a hug. Is that um? Is that the Funzo? It is Funzo. Ah, I knew it. it wouldn't uh, wouldn't be our Seinfeld podcast <laughs> if we didn't start off with a Simpsons reference, you know? With a sweet Simpsons ref right off the bat, yes. <laughs> All right. You want to get going? We better get going. Yeah, yeah. All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. And I said we better get going because there's a lot of... As you mentioned, I think at the end of last week's episode, Ted, you're like, what can I say about the soups Nazi that hasn't been already said or written about in a million think pieces or studied? Or And uh, I, I went through a good deal of that uh, in the past week. So we're going to dig <laughs> deep into last week's episode, oh, the soup boy. Nazi. All right. <laughs> before we talk about The Secret Code, Season 7, Episode 7. And we'll start with, uh, I guess, I-, I wanted to know whether it was Spike Ferriston's first episode. I noticed his name. It jumped out at me. I've seen his name since Seinfeld ended, uh, it always popping up. And Jerry Seinfeld seems to be very fond of him. He, Even though Spike is like not a famous dude or anything, like not a household name, he's always on like Jerry's shows and involved with him still. So they must have like kind of a pretty good friendship. And so this all the homework and trivia is going to kind of be mixed in uh, this week. So, But the first thing was about Spike Ferrison's first episode. And it was Spike Ferrison's first oh, nice. credited Seinfeld episode as a writer. Yeah. And the idea for the episode, as always happens with Seinfeld, came from real life. Ferriston told Jerry and Larry about a New York soup vendor named Al Yegana, who was nicknamed the Soup Nazi. Seinfeld and David <laughs> laughed and said, that's a show. Do that as your first show. And Ferriston's uh, inspiration for the armoire subplot was a New York apartment building where he lived, which forbade moving furniture on certain days. So it does happen in New York City. Oh, my there. God. <laughs> yeah, that was from his real life. It seems like it was maybe, I don't know, maybe the exception more than the rule, but the super made it seem like it was, yeah, Lane, you know, no moving on Sunday. Those That's the rule here in New York City. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm still not sure how common it is, but it, it was from real life. Um, the armoire thieves were written as homosexual because Larry David decided that only gay guys would steal an armoire. <laughs> wow. Okay. God damn. Yeah. That's towing a line of, of stereotypes but uh, I mean <laughs> I, I think that that's well past towing the line I'm pretty sure that crosses it damn that's over the line <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah but it's, it is one of those where you're like well is he wrong am I wrong for thinking uh, he's not wrong <laughs> I'm not going there <laughs> Of course, of course. Uh, at the time, Ferriston wrote the episode, both he and Jerry were dating women who would use affectionate baby talk with them. That led to the Jerry Sheila story. Um, so I would have loaned to have known what Jerry Seinfeld's actual baby name was. Uh, I doubt it was actually Schmoopy, but that would be really hilarious if it if it was. I, I want it to be like uh, Jerry Barry or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and Spike already gave himself kind of a babyish nickname. I mean, that's not his real name. I forget what his real name is, but um, <laughs> it would be it would be funny if it was his real name. But um, it uh, yeah, Jerry. I, I I can't see Jerry like putting up with that for very long. Like he just does not seem like he's not a sentimental guy. I mean, look at his show. You know, yeah. so putting up with a, a woman who wanted to do that, I I don't see that lasting very long. So Spike started at SNL, and then he went to Letterman. And then Space Ghost Coast to Coast, which was one of my favorite original Adult Swim shows, uh, the Dana Carvey show, and then he got his big break with The Simpsons. He wrote, though, the only episode he's really credited with is Sideshow Bob's Last Gleaming, hmm. the ninth episode in the seventh season where uh, Sideshow Bob wants to take over all the tele or wants to shut down all the television channels because it's like low culture, you know? And yeah, I, I didn't even remember it when I was looking up the episode. I was like, what? I don't remember this Sideshow Bob episode. It's like uh, the least popular Sideshow Bob appearance. And so he wrote that episode. And then the Seinfeld episode in 95 is when he started. He wrote nine Seinfeld episodes in all. Uh, in 06, he got his own talk show on Saturday nights. I remember when this happened. It was on Fox and it was called Talk Show with Spike Ferriston. Nice. And it ran for three whole seasons. <laughs> <laughs> making it the longest-running late-night television show in the history of the Fox Network, hmm. which I can't believe because didn't... Are you telling me Mad TV didn't last more than three seasons? Well, did, did it say... What, what were the qualifiers on Spike Ferrison's show? This said longest running late night television show uh, yeah matt tv ran for 15 seasons so they must have meant talk show the, yeah i'm i'm guessing so <laughs> or or it was like to that point yeah yeah maybe but no 06 was 
when did uh, now? I just looked it up, and I when did when did I'm Mad sure, TV premiere? I'm pretty sure Mad TV came out when I was in high school. Uh, let me see. It started in '95. Okay, so it's probably at that point then. Well, if or no, when if, when did it, when did Spike's talk show start? Oh six. Oh shit! Never mind. Yeah, okay. So they must have just meant talk show because I know Fox has like you know it's kind of weird for uh, you know a whole television network to just stop programming at eleven thirty five. You know they've never really mm-hmm. had anything that lasted you know up until Mad TV. That like I think Joan Rivers had a talk show on Fox, but obviously that didn't last very long. Like they've never been able to really make it in the weekly or even daily late night yeah. uh, arena for some reason. You know I guess the the big three are just so big in what they do. It's like well all right who are we gonna who are we gonna find Spike Ferriston. <laughs> It's like when 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 Conan went to TBS. Everyone's like, "Wait, like cable? Like cable yeah. network TBS?" Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Or when Conan came on the air, it was like Conan O'Brien. We don't even know who this guy is. You know, he's <laughs> taking over for Letterman. Yeah, for real. Uh, the other thing we wanted to know from homework was was that uh, SNL alum. Speaking of SNL uh, alum, Anna Gasteyer as the woman at the end of the Soup Nazi episode, and it is her. She's hey. the one who gets uh, pushed out of the way, and then Elaine is revealed holding all of the recipes. And yeah, she was on SNL from 96 to 02. So this next year, she was just going to start blowing up. Nice. And her, her big skit that I forgot about, I, I remembered her like music teacher skit and stuff like that. And she played Martha Stewart. But she was also Sweaty Balls. That was probably her biggest skit. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. See, I'm not yeah. not super familiar with her because, I mean, you're familiar with familiar with the adage that like your most familiar or your favorite SNL cast is when you were in high school. Well, yeah. th- that for me is Jason Sudeikis and Andy Samberg and uh and like when Keenan first started it's like in that 07 yeah. to like 2011 2012 region. So 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 she was like before my my time watching SNL, mm-hmm. yeah, but, yeah. but oh, obviously I've, I've seen some of her stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's in those like best ofs, or you know, like that one is in every Christmas clip yeah. show. Oh my stuff, god, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I love so ninety six to oh two would have been right when I was in high school and the Will Ferrell era, Molly Shannon, Chris Kattan, all of that. <laughs> but you know, the one I really, I, I think I started watching really early because the the cast I really love is like David Spade, Chris Farley, Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, and that was when I was in like elementary to middle school. Like I became an SNL fan really early, and I've really? just never. It's it's still like I never miss an episode. It's still. Like one of the things I look forward to every single week, and I, I, I uh, there's no more lukewarm take to me than SNL was funnier back in when I was growing up. Like, oh my <laughs> god, if I have to hear one more boomer talk about how you know the sun rose and set with Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd, who look oh. are comic legends, but go back and try to watch some of those '70s episodes, okay? They're the skits are good. like 12 minutes long, yeah. and there's no laughs. <laughs> it's like it's like watching. Uh, it, I, I I don't even know what to compare it to. <laughs> like there's there's no editing there's no production quality like you have an hour and a half show and you fit four <laughs> skits into it really yeah i mean i and i've seen you know there's some funny stuff that has lasted but it, a lot of it <laughs> man yeah it's just just bad um so i in this so here now we enter the trivia uh arena of the episode and in this episode elaine references the scent of a woman and julia louis dreyfus hadn't seen the movie so seinfeld essentially told her how to do the impersonation of al pacino <laughs> in the movie which was the hoo <laughs> it wasn't bad then for for like an impression <laughs> of an impression yeah i guess you know everyone knows what al pacino sounds like anyway and like oh just say hoo that's the funny <laughs> that's what everyone pulled away from that movie uh, and he doesn't even say it that much in that movie he like i remember like seeing all the jokes about that and then watching the movie and i'm, I'm like i really expected like 10 times more hoo because i remember the, <laughs> the critic made fun of it and obviously it was in this episode of seinfeld and uh, like the fact that that's what people pulled from Center yeah. of a woman i'm like not, he, he uh, says it like four times not like having seen the movie the thing i'm more familiar with is uh she's got a huge ass oh that's uh that's heat oh that's heat yeah. okay okay you've well, got your head right up it <laughs> or whatever he says <laughs> well it, it's all the same it's all the same character it's yeah. the same movie oh whatever. totally <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another great Pacino. I, I love Pacino. Um, okay, Schmoopy, a.k.a. Alexandra Wentworth. This is crazy. Alexandra Wentworth is married to former Clinton advisor, ABC News chief anchor correspondent, and Good Morning America co-anchor, George Stephanopoulos. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I know. She's <laughs> okay. Nuts? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she's gone. Like, she has, like, a pretty inter- interesting Wikipedia page in general. I mean, she went on to do some other stuff, but the fact that she's married to George Stephanopoulos, I'm like, that's, Wow. 
Uh, okay, so let's dig into the history of the soup Nazi just a little bit. He was portrayed. Let's talk about Larry Thomas first, the actor. Uh, he didn't realize that the character was based on a real guy, and he so he had to look otherwhere uh, elsewhere for inspiration for his portrayal. And he watched Lawrence of Arabia and studied Omar Sharif's accent in that. That's so that's where he got the soup Nazi's accent. Omar Sharif hmm. was Egyptian. I don't know what accent he's doing in Lawrence of Arabia, but you know, uh, we were trying, we were kind of trying to place where exactly the soup Nazi might be from. So. It might be, you know, Northern Africa, uh, I guess. Uh, Larry Thomas's portrayal of the Soup Nazi earned him an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Guest Actor in a, in a Comedy Series uh, at the Emmys after this episode. But he lost it to Tim Conway's guest spot on the Craig T. Nelson show, Coach. Uh. Yeah, I know. Tim. Con- I mean, Tim Conway's a comic legend. It would have been tough to tough to beat him. So. Uh, but I mean, what do we what do we remember now? You know, who do we remember? We remember Larry <laughs> Thomas. I don't remember. What yeah, we did what, what coach, was? What I'm was, sure I watched because I was a fan. What was? Uh, what was his catchphrase in Coach? Huh? Huh? I'm sure. I'm sure it <laughs> yeah, wasn't exactly. no soup for you. <laughs> uh, like Jackie Childs, the soup Nazi character appeared in commercials after the end of the series, including a Super Bowl ad for Acura. Ooh. Yeah, which I guess Larry did. I think he did. Um, I mean Jerry. Jerry did. Larry Thomas appeared as himself in the Scrubs episode, My Self Examination where he denies he is the soup Nazi, but JD tries to keep getting him to break and trick him into saying the catchphrase by asking him, like, oh, what's, uh, what is that again? Like, you're out of luck in the soup department uh, or something like that. I don't remember that episode, but uh, <laughs> let me see. Oh, and oh, here's uh, Larry Thomas also was in Arrested Development. So George Bluth Sr., in case you've never seen Arrested Development, is charged with signing a development deal with Saddam Hussein despite the embargo against Iraq, and Bluth claims that he acted in good faith, mistakenly believing that Hussein was Larry Thomas, the soup Nazi, because of his resemblance to the soup Nazi. So he says he thought he was signing a real estate deal with the guy who played the soup Nazi, not Saddam Hussein. But in a later episode, Larry Thomas appears in the role as a political decoy for Saddam Hussein, who lost his job because of the American invasion in Iraq. There's like three or four (laughs) Saddam Husseins walking around, and one of them is actually Larry Thomas. (laughs) Yeah, so folded in on itself there. <laughs> and Larry Thomas was hired by Al Yegana's company in July of 2015 to portray the character as promotion for Soupman products, which I'll get to in a second. Oh, God. <laughs> I did want to mention, I, I totally remember this. The episode inspired an actual soup chain called Soup Nutsy, N-U-T-S-Y. Hey. I know. It was like, they're like, oh, we want to call it the Soup Nazi. Like, no one's going to go to a restaurant called Nazi. You got to come up with a different thing. Uh, How about Nutsy? Like, we're crazy about soup. We're nuts. Like, yeah, that'll work. That'll be fine. Like, no, it was the dumbest idea. Uh, it opened in, it, in 96 it, it, in New York City. It, it failed immediately, didn't it? <laughs> well, it opened in 96 in New York City. It, it had no official connection to nor endorsement from <laughs> Seinfeld or its creators. But, it, of course, the menu was filled with Seinfeld references like one of the soup was called Jerry's Favorite. One was called Kramer's Favorite. Whoa, um, oh, my God. Like, okay, it's not not even taking anything from the episode. She's like, yeah, get me Jerry's favorite. What's Jerry's favorite? Uh-huh. It might be. The only thing I think of is that would be the crab bisque, and Kramer's favorite would be the mulligatawny. <laughs> Just because those are the only soups we see them consume in the I, whole episode. I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> so guess what? If you, don't, if you do want to go to Soup Nutsy, there's a few locations in Toronto still. Wow, really? Yep, yep. Ah. Uh. <laughs> well, they have a less tenuous relationship with Nazis than Americans do. They still can laugh at Nazis like we're not oh, we're yeah, not cause, there because <laughs> Nazis don't exist in Canada anymore. Nazis don't exist in Canada. Oh, yeah, OK. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we we have we still have we're still still dealing with the Nazi problem down here. Uh, so I think that may be why. The, the, <laughs> but I remember the, the reason this came to mind was I remember one of the they had a location in the train station in D.C. that I would go to uh, when I was headed into to work there. Um, I think it was Union Station. Did Union you, Station. Did DC, you ever like called. make the connection? You're like, huh, soup Nazi. It sounds like soup Nazi. Oh, totally. Yeah, okay. yeah. Because hey, I was already a Seinfeld fan. But also the logo is also a drawing of like a mean looking cook with a mustache. So. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, okay. yeah. They, they cribbed a lot. They like <laughs> talk about towing the line. They went right up to the line of trademark infringement <laughs> without crossing. Hey, it could be Kramer anybody. You know how many Kramers J- there are in the world? Jerry who? <laughs> yeah. I bet they had someone on payroll named Jerry Kramer <laughs> just so they could like... Nuh-uh. He doesn't have to do anything. It was just like you got a paycheck for you. <laughs> not, not even a paycheck, but like every day someone has to wear the name tag that says, hi, welcome to Soup Nutsy. My name is Jerry. Even better. Even better. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so that was around 2003 that I was. So they they were at least <laughs> still in DC around 03. But um, yeah. So we've already talked a little bit about Al Yegana. Ali Yegana is the inspiration for the Soup Nazi character. So we, we've talked about the nationalities too. Al himself is from Iran. He's Iranian born, and he ran uh, the restaurant was not called Hot Soup. It was called Soup Kitchen International. Okay. Yeah. And it was in New York City, uh, 259A West 55th Street between Broadway and 8th uh, there in Midtown. And that was open from 84 to 2004. And he kept the <clears> lease <throat> on the shop after it closed because he wanted to expand. And that led to the formation of a chain called the Original Soup Man. Uh, so even he was like, the Original Soup Nazi? Nah, better not. I'll say man. <laughs> <laughs> And that uh, led to the reopening of the original location in 2010 under the name Original Soup Man. And that location closed again. Wait a minute. I must have gotten something wrong here um, because that location closed in 2008 and all the locations closed after 2017 when the chief financial officer was indicted for income tax evasion hey. and the chain went into bankruptcy. Yeah. In 2017, the chain emerged from bankruptcy under new ownership, and it did reopen another physical location in Times Square late in 2018, but that's closed now. So currently, there are four, three or four, four locations. There's two in New York, one in Albany. Uh, so I wonder if they have steamed hams. I don't know. And one in Astoria. So I think they mean Astoria, Queens. That'd Must be my be. guess, but I Must really don't be. know. Yeah. So there is at least one still in the five boroughs and one in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and one at the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. Uh, yeah, Connecticut. So two, you know, casino locations and then two in New York. But at one point there was, you know, there was a ton. There was even one on the campus of the University of South Carolina, I found out. Whoa. Yeah, that would have been cool. Now, they mainly, the, the brand still exists. They mainly sell grocery store products, and you can order them online and stuff. I can honestly say I've never seen them in a store, but they have a pretty wide distribution. He had a list of stores that carry them, like Wegmans was on there. I was like, mm. I've never seen them in Wegmans. Yeah, you'll have to keep an eye on next time you're in a Wegmans if you see uh, Original Soup Man. Maybe I just didn't make the connection, because, I mean, they don't look like, you know, they're, they're certainly not a, a soup swastika on them or anything that might, <laughs> <laughs> that might indicate that they're soup Nazi uh, paraphernalia. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so Yegana has stated on numerous occasions, here's why he called it original soup man, really, is that he is very offended by the soup Nazi moniker. And the strictness of the original location isn't necessarily followed by the franchisees in case you're scared of going, you're going to get yelled at or whatever. But uh, Yegana apparently banned any actual soup Nazi references by franchises and their staff while on the job. And he has encouraged his franchise owners to avoid references to Seinfeld in their promotions. But even he can't help but get you know latch on to some of the good press that Seinfeld might bring because uh, on at least two occasions, uh, at least two Seinfeld references are in his marketing, including the phrase soup for you, not no soup for you, but soup for you, mm. uh, and a mention of the show on the back of his package soup offerings. Uh, at one time, Yegana uh, accepted media inquiries, but his media roles forbade mention of, uh, this is a quote, I guess, from his media roles, the N-word. Parentheses Nazi. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like, uh, don't say the other one either, but don't say this one. Maybe I should have just said, <laughs> since I wrote it out anyway. Maybe, 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 <laughs> I, maybe we should just say, don't say all N words. <laughs> yeah. And no personal questions, no follow up questions, and interviews were conducted only via email. Interesting. So, what do you want to Yeah. Uh, according to Spike, uh, Jerry and several members of the production team went to Soup Kitchen International for lunch a couple weeks after the Soup Nazi aired. Uh, Al recognized Jerry, went into a profanity-filled rant about how the show had ruined his business and demanded an apology. And Seinfeld gave what Spike describes as the most insincere, sarcastic apology ever given. <laughs> Yegana then bellowed, no soup for you, and ejected them from the restaurant. So I can't believe he... I guess no soup for you probably came from Al and then went to the show and then he just didn't stop using it. Because I find it hard to believe he would use Seinfeld's own catchphrase on him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's weird. Uh, Ferriston also, or it didn't happen, or it's under, you know, oh, that happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ferriston also said that some of the episodes encounters in the soup line, like Elaine slapping her hands on the counter and telling the soup Nazi he looks like Al Pacino, were based on scenes he actually witnessed at the real life soup restaurant. God. Yeah, um, and but according to Nora Ephron's DVD commentary in, uh, in Sleepless in Seattle, the first pop culture reference to Al Yagana seems to have come years before this actual episode. In the 1993 movie Sleepless in Seattle, a character playing a writer pitches a story for the lifestyle section of the publication to their editor, editor saying, this man sells the greatest soup you've ever eaten, and he is the meanest man in America. Hmm. Uh, he wants to write a story about him, yeah. 
he says it's not just about the soup. So, um, yeah, Al was a sort of semi-famous even before the soup Nazi. Oh, my God. Uh, one last note. The 2009 motion picture Seinfeld, a triple X parody, uh, <laughs> essentially follows a plot line inspired by this episode, the soup Nazi. But instead, they all go to a pornography store where the porn Nazi works. Ah, uh, man. That is real. <laughs> I was really pulling for it to be like the soup nuts E. Oh yeah! Like, oh man, did he nut in the soup, <laughs> Jerry? I think he nutted in the soup. <laughs> I think he nutted in the soup. He didn't nut in the soup. I think he nutted in the soup. He it's right it the there. Soup. It's right there. Come on, <laughs> the poor yeah, no, they, Nazi. Are you kidding me? They didn't put that much thought into it. <laughs> they, they put as much thought into the plot line as they did the name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By the way, my new favorite thing to do is read plot descriptions of triple <laughs> x porn parodies on wikipedia because it's written out so matter of factly it's like uh, whatever their names are it's like jerry and elena go to the porn store but the porn nazi throws them out a woman calls jerry to the back room they have sex or whatever. oh my <laughs> like, god yeah. kramer like kramer's gonna make his own porn or something like that and sasha gray is in it it's really weird but like it's written just so plainly and like non-erotically it's like Kramer comes across two women. They are Sasha Gray and this other woman making a pornographic pornographic film. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> good lord! Yeah, it's hilarious. Oh, I think his name is Kramer too, which is Kramer. which is hilarious. Yeah, which is hilarious. Uh, it, it's, which is it's, a hilarious porn pun it, you were looking for. <laughs> it, it's literally uh, Sein, like Seinfeld two thousands. Like what? What? What, <laughs> what if Kramer made own porn? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And one last little note here. Thanks uh, to Twitter. I believe this was our new New York City Twitter follower. Um, in the hot tub, we were like, how did Elaine know Jean-Paul Jean-Paul? It's never explained. Well, we just both blew past this uh, little part of the script where she goes, I got the marathon runner coming in tonight. And Jerry goes, what marathon runner? And she goes, you know, this guy, Jean-Paul Jean-Paul. I met him when I was working at Pendant, editing a book on running. That's right. So that's how they met. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out, Kate, for that. Yeah. And believe it or not, that is it. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I told you. I told you it was a lot, but I was like, "Wow, this is a lot of interesting history on this guy." Okay, so do we have any news or anything? Uh, we can send a quick shout out and congrats to Larry David, who got married. Oh, whoa! I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't even see this. Seventy-three-year-old Larry David wed his girlfriend Ashley Underwood on October seventh in Southern California. It's the second marriage for David who was married to an environmental activist, Lori David, for 14 years. Uh, David and Underwood met in 2017 at Sasha Baron Cohen's birthday party, David revealed <laughs> in a New York Times profile in April. Uh, Underwood worked as a producer on Cohen's Showtime series, Who is America?, and is friends with Cohen's wife, Isla Fisher, who guest starred in the most recent season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. So it's kind of a very funny George-ish. A lot of people are pointing out the parallels of, of George when he's like, I think it, when, when he talked about meeting her at this party and stuff, he was like, I think she was surprised I left before dessert. He's like, but I wanted to leave on, essentially leave on a high note. Like, um, you know, I, I didn't want to, I, I had made such a good impression at that point, I didn't wreck it. So he just <laughs> like dipped out, <laughs> like without telling anybody, which is a very George thing to do. We'll find out uh, in a future episode. Okay, uh, last last little bit of news. I just want to say th thank you guys for the, the response to our episode of The Soup Nazi. O obviously, it being a, a such a big episode, uh, we got a, a bunch of downloads on it, so that's, that's awesome. kind of awesome. If you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the first 25-ish minutes <laughs> uh, being following up on last week's episode. That's what we like to do. We like to assign homework to ourselves. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years. If we miss something, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and we will send you a No Hugging, No Learning sticker free of charge. We just need your mailing address, just a simple place to send it. Uh, that being said, Season 7, Episode 7, The Secret Code, original air date November 9th, 1995. I was two years, 10 months, and 20 days old, and if you're... Uh, counting this episode and every other episode we have left. Tim, we have 60 episodes before we become a soup restaurant review podcast. 
<laughs> oh, that sounds great. What a perfect time for it, too. I'm pretty sure it, it would only be like three or four episodes. I don't know. I don't know too many <laughs> restaurants that serve exclusively soup. Or, or <laughs> you know, we, we could just uh, we just drag it out and just review the soup at any restaurant. Yeah. I've always wanted to try mulligatawny ever since this episode, uh, ever since the Soup Nazi, and I never have, so maybe now's my chance. <laughs> well, if you are looking at TV Guide the night of November 9th, 1995, you are going to see George conceals his ATM code from fiance Susan, semicolon, guest John O'Hurley. All right. We'll see if we can make it better at the end of the episode. We open with a stand-up bit and get ready for some hilarious takes about this new technology called the cash machine, Ted. <sighs> oh, my gosh. Are, have you seen these things, everybody? I mean, uh, come on. What's like, the deal with the cash they, machine? They really got us using the cash machine now. This was so fucking dated. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Ugh. I, yeah. Tim, I, I know, like, with you being the elder millennial, uh, there, there are some things that, like, have been things my entire life that came into existence whenever you were like a conscious human being <laughs> atms have been a thing my entire life like I, I i remember like learning what these were at the age of like six or something I, I, <laughs> as, as long as i've needed an atm they've been there yes i, I want to say the same thing for me like ever since i've needed money atms have been a thing and certainly I want to say in 1995, they were everywhere. In 1995, in New York City, they had to have been everywhere. But we've talked about ATMs before, probably because of no another one of Jerry's hot takes about the cash machine. But 1967 was when they first were invented. And then, let me see. I don't know when they... Yeah, like 73, there was patents for them. And th so they started being put up. I don't know when they started really making their mark. But 1968, the ATM was pi pioneered in the U.S. by... Some company. Let me see. Yeah, by 1974, it seemed like cash machines were everywhere. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like this was already out of date in in 95. <laughs> but yeah, he talks about how like, oh, they got us waiting for the sound. Oh, the money's coming. And then he makes the sound. It's like, oh, man, this was just met with blank stares from me. God, like. Yeah, because he's not. I mean, it was like it's it's it was that must have been that golden time of. You know, sometimes you can you can do comedy about something without even making a joke about it. You just say what it is. It's like, oh man, have you seen these cash machines? I mean, you put your card in, the cash comes out, and people laugh because they're like, yeah, that is what happens. Like, oh, and then it makes that funny sound. Like that is what happens. Like they're not jokes. It just is literal observation, not humor. <laughs> it's literal observation, not observational humor. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, every so you know, every so often you see a, a comedian doing this, and and you know, still, and it's like, oh, all I can do is like say, oh man, have you seen TikTok? Uh, what what's on there? Their videos, they're short, they're like, and, and they're not jokes about it. They're it's like, just, oh, watch out for the renegade! Whoa, you're not saying anything funny. You're, you're just like, you're just saying what exists on TikTok. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we open at George's and Susan's heading down to the cash machine uh, to get some cash and George needs some too. And she's like, oh, I'll get it for you. And George won't give her his secret code to get money uh, over at Monk's. You know, this obviously has caused a rift between him and Susan. Uh, George says, the, and I like that he's like, the instructions are clear on the card. Don't give this code to anyone. I love because <laughs> I'm a guy who loves falling back on instructions. You know, like anytime I'm, I'm so I can get very pedantic about instructions mm -hmm. regarding certain things. If, you know, certain things that are done, you know, like house rules, like, oh, of course you give your ATM code to your significant other or whatever. But like, you know, if I didn't want to do that, I was like, hey, the rules are clear. It's on the card. Don't give the code to anybody. OK, <laughs> um, so I love that he's he's falling back on that. Like, it's not me. It's the card. Uh, and and also he's like, you know, can, does everything have to be with, between the couple? Can I have something just for me? Is that so sh selfish? And Jerry's like, well, that's the definition of selfish. That, I like that. That was perfect. That was really good. <laughs> hey, what about something that's just for me? Is, Is that, that so selfish? <laughs> that's the definition of selfish. Jerry's code. He tells George right away. He's like, what's the big deal? I'll tell you mine. It's Jor-El, which is a Superman reference. It is, which I, yeah. I want to ask you, like, is this, does this predate pin numbers? What? Yeah, I, this is something that has always confused me about this episode. Yeah, where do you type in Jor-El? Was there like a keyboard or something? Like, Is that it? Or is it like the number association with the word like on a on a touchpad? Yeah, and, and if that's the case, like is Jerry's passcode five numbers long? 
That's what I. Uh, that's what I've never understood. Yeah, and Bosco is even B O S C O. That's five. Maybe everyone's pins were five numbers, and to remember them, they used mnemonic devices like this. Maybe. I don't know. I, I might dig into that for homework next week. Just try to find out the the technology behind 1990s ATMs because that's something <laughs> that because ever since ATMs have been a thing for me, ever since I've needed money from them, it's always been four digits. Yeah, and, and they've always been relatively easy to remember. Yeah. Which Tim? By the way, what's your pin number? It, it is a. <laughs> I almost got you. <laughs> uh, so Jerry's foot has fallen asleep, and uh, then Fred walks in. As Jerry is like kind of up walking around, he forgot to he, he had his legs crossed and he forgot to switch and and um, he's like they're like oh hey Fred he's like oh my foot fell asleep and I love Fred's response at least you have something to do <laughs> 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 and Elaine comes in at that moment and he says nice to meet you to Elaine and Elaine's like we've met before and he didn't remember Elaine. So she runs out of the, the of monks to go and talk to him uh, out on the street. By the way, did you recognize this Fred character? He's a he's a character actor that's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, I can't pinpoint what I know him from off the top of my head. I'm I'm I would say with a good deal of certainty he's been on a few Disney Channel shows. I, he just looks like I know for a fact he is like the principal in something. <laughs> I know for a fact there's one role where he has an eye patch. <laughs> um. But I, yeah, I, I mean, don't he know. just seems like he seems made for kids television. That like droopy <laughs> dog act that he does just looks <laughs> just, just as perfect as like, you know, disgruntled customer. Like, excuse me, I was standing here. Yeah, like something like that. And then and then Zach and Cody like tie his shoelaces together. I don't know. I don't know, Ted. Ah, yeah, that'll teach that <laughs> fuck. <laughs> uh, so out on the street, he really doesn't remember this conversation. <laughs> about Elaine's uncle and Lee Harvey Oswald, which, by the way, is another Kennedy connection. You know, we know Elaine is obsessed with the Kennedys. And it was kind of funny, like, you know, I, I mentioned my uncle working in the book depository with uh, with Lee Harvey Oswald. And he told him the president died and Lee Harvey Oswald winked and said he was going to the movies. <laughs> Jesus. That is so hilarious. <laughs> and it sounds like something a, a funny uncle would make up. And, and you wouldn't, you know, like... You, I, th I feel like everyone has those stories as kids that they were told like yeah my uncle blah 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 and it's only as an adult when you say it out loud you're like oh shit that was a joke and I was a gullible kid in my whole life for 30 years I it, believed you, you literally just believe it until you say it out loud like in front of people and then yeah, like yeah. You're, you're trying to tell them like oh no this actually happened and then you also don't believe your own lie <laughs> yeah yeah, and people are like, "What? Are you crazy? There's no way that." Like, no, no, my uncle. I, uh. yeah. <laughs> and you immediately wish you could like put words, grab them from their brains, and put them back in your mouth. <laughs> um, but he so he doesn't remember the conversation with Elaine. But he's like, "Oh yeah, the bathroom. There was a tic tac toe game on the door. X had won from the top right to the bottom." He like remembers everything about this dumb tic tac toe game, but nothing about Elaine. Over in Jerry's apartment, he's just getting off the phone. And he's going to do a TV commercial for a local uh, appliance store, Leap and Larry's Appliance Stores, and that's where Kramer got his emergency scanner that he's been listening to. Uh, by the way, Superman, not only have we already had a spoken reference, but he's still on the bookshelf and the fridge. And uh, across the emergency scanner comes a fire on 115th Street. And Kramer always dreamed of being a fireman, you know, and driving uh, the ladder on the back of the fire truck. And he hears them taking the wrong route to the fire. And he runs out of the room to who knows what he's going to do. <laughs> Elaine comes in and she can't believe that someone wouldn't remember her. And she has to go out to dinner that night with Jay Peterman, ask Jerry to go, and he relents uh, because, you know, uh, Elaine's like, oh, he tells all these boring stories. And so Jerry's like, fine. Over at George's, Susan is still angry about the code. And George says that she has secrets, too. I never know what's going on with your cycles. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was so funny. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with your... You have secrets? Like, it's a secret. <laughs> Which, I, I know we're skipping forward a little bit. I'm upset this didn't come back, like, any other time in the episode. You know, like, yeah. even, like, Susan, just to spite George, like, just says, oh, George, I'm feeling a little bloated today. And then, and then like, George just like, no, 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 don't want to know. Don't want to know it. 
Yeah, yeah. Or she makes him go buy feminine products or whatever. Yeah. Oh my like, god. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, what's the big deal? Now you know. Now it's not a secret. Why? Why can't you buy them? You know. That would be so good. <laughs> yeah, and um, then George yells from the living room into the kitchen. We're out of Bosco, which is uh, probably going to come up later. Uh, over at Leap and Larry's, Jerry is meeting. Uh, with Leap and Larry, and it's going well, except his foot falls asleep again. And when that happens, Larry gets up, stands up to give him a tour of the appliance store, and he <laughs> limps around like Jerry does when his foot's asleep. And because Leap and Larry has a prosthetic, did he say after a boating accident? Yeah, he said boating accident, but I didn't Good catch Lord. if he lost his leg or just lost his foot. I thought, yeah, I don't know how, yeah, I don't know how far up it goes. <laughs> but um, he does have, yeah, something after, I'm like, geez, that's rough. Uh, <laughs> like, I immediately started picturing a, a boating accident that would have led to, yeah. Like an bad. amputation? Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm picturing yeah. like, oh, he, he fell down the back of the boat and got caught in the motor or something, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's the, that's the only thing on a boat that can cut off a limb, I'm pretty sure. Yes, yeah. And I'm, imagine <laughs> the boat. I bet Le- Leap and Larry has like a giant yacht, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, not good. And he sees Jerry. Well, and he sees Jerry's. Jerry starts, you know, standing up and trying to like wake up his foot. An employee comes in and laughs and goes, "Oh, that's such a good impression." And what a Leap piece and Larry of shit. comes in. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Leap and Larry comes in and sees the impression and he's upset. But I mean, who would think that like w- this employee has like a heart of darkness? Like, yeah. Like to think that anyone would make fun of an old man with a with, with a, a limp, limp. <laughs> like especially in a room by yourself. Like, oh man, I gotta do that. No one's here to see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah really weird over in the apartment kramer has heard about it and he accuses jerry of making fun of did he say crippled crippled yeah. people yeah he did <laughs> all right all right um and I, he's i like this part i guess you joked yourself right out of a commercial manchamba we get another weird kramer uh colloquialism manchamba i don't think it's real See, but I'll, uh, did, did you hear manchamba because i heard like I heard Manjamba, which which was very close to Manjambo, which he's yeah. used before. Right, right, right. This was definitely a, a new one on us, though. If, if, uh-huh. it, if it wasn't, it was definitely a variation, maybe on uh, one we've already heard, or it could be a new one. Because yeah, I heard I heard a distinct ch in there, but okay. I'll have to look it up. I doubt it's real, but I've written it down. <laughs> Manjamba, uh, and there's a a fire. Uh, the they're talking about the fire on 115th on the television station. And, you know, it, it was bad. And Kramer said they took the wrong streets. And Kramer has an, an innate sense of direction. And he wants to, you know, maybe share it with the firefighters. George is meeting Elaine and Peterman, Jay Peterman, with Jerry. And Jerry didn't mention Peterman to George. And he's like, well, if I mentioned him, would you have come? And he's like, no. He's like, all right, let's go. <laughs> uh, which is a good trick. Uh, out on the street, Elaine runs into Fred, who doesn't remember her at first, but then does remember that vitamins make her nauseous and asks her to dinner. So he did remember something about her. He's like, oh, I got to go get some vitamins. You know, she's like, yeah, I don't take them. And he's like, oh, yeah, they make you nauseous. So the fact that she remembers. And then she asks, he asks her out and she accepts because she's like, he's like, you don't have plans to you. She's like, nothing I can uh, remember. <laughs> uh. Yep. So over at Hunan Fifth Avenue, where we've been plenty of times before, this is obviously like the best uh, Chinese restaurant in New York City. Apparently. Uh, yeah, we've been. This is like the fourth or fifth time, maybe. Uh, Jerry is proposing scenarios where George has to give him his code. Like, for instance, what if I'm in a Turkish prison and you need money to bribe the guards? And they reference Midnight Express, which is the second time this movie's come up. We talked about it before. I forget in what aspect, but at least I'm pretty sure we did. I'm pretty sure this is one that came up. But um, anyway, he's like, we're in, we're in Turkey. And Jerry's like, yeah, he's like, ah, can't do it. Turkey's not on the uh, plus system. So you can't even my card doesn't work there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so no code. Uh, Jay Peterman introduces himself to Jerry and George. And when he says uh, Jay Peterman and George, like, kind of picks up his jacket and he goes, J. Crew. And the joke completely bombs, rightly so. Because <laughs> it's also like, I, I've really felt Jay Peterman here because it's a competing clothing line, you yeah. know, and that's the way George yeah. chose to introduce himself. And as radio people, Ted and I can tell you, anytime we mention what we do. Oh, my God. Like, the first fucking thing that people feel compelled to say is like, oh, I don't listen to the radio. I'm like, cool, thanks. Bingo. Yeah. It's like we I hold back so much. I try never to tell anybody what I do for a living. And it's not because I think it's really cool. It's because of the response I know I'll get that'll make me feel like shit. Mm -hmm. They will make me 
on purpose feel like shit. And I don't know why we're the only well, obviously we're not. Catalog makers deal with it too. <laughs> yeah. See, um, see, mine isn't. Mine isn't because like I'll, I know I'll feel like shit. Mine is just to avoid the conversation of people who clearly know what they're talking about, right? Yeah. They're yeah. Like, well, yeah. here, let me in this four-minute Uber ride, let me solve all the woes of the radio industry. <laughs> Don't you know that Spotify exists? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, people whoa! Who- holy shit! No, I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, people who have no idea what they're talking about. But my favorite thing to do, you know, depending on because I've seen I've I've done this and I see people feel bad and I'm like, why do I feel bad when I make people feel bad and people don't feel bad when they make me feel bad? But whatever they say they do, I immediately come back and say I like something competing or that I never I never uh, patronize their place of business or their <laughs> employer. I, like I started doing that and people go, oh, uh, you know, I, I've had like some negative reaction to it, as you might expect, because you know, what would you expect by doing that? I, hopefully people think about it, but p- they probably don't no. uh, because they're just selfish idiots. Uh, but I, I and you know, I, maybe I shouldn't feel bad about making them feel bad, but it's one of my favorite things to do is turn it back around and go, oh yeah, I don't do that either. Just be the, be the total contrarian. Yeah. 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 Like ju- just about the employment, like we can be friends, but if you don't like, you know, if you don't patronize my employer, why should I feel bad about saying I don't patronize what, whatever you, whatever gets you paid? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, it, it's fun. Try it out sometime. Peterman still wants to have dinner, even though Elaine won't be joining. And George can't think of a lie to get out of it. He's he's panicking. He just is choking. Jerry makes up the fact that he forgot about a comedy set he has to do. And George is stuck there uh, with Jay Peterman. <laughs> out on the street, Elaine is waiting for Fred, but she's apparently got stood up by Fred. Uh, over back at Hunan Fifth Avenue, George is bored with jay peterman's catalog story conversation and he ends everyone describing the item too yeah, he's like he, he, sizes seven to ten 39.95 he, he <laughs> talks in these descriptions it, yeah I, I forget the, the first product he's describing is like some hat or something yeah, yeah. men sizes six to twelve <laughs> yeah they're, 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 they are stories just like in the catalog but then they end just like the catalog stories <laughs> do um and i like i love i love this exchange between scenes here because george goes what about sports you into sports and cut to jerry's apartment and he's watching a giants game and the announcer goes you gotta love sports this was so good oh my god yeah and then we get a gifable moment jerry eating popcorn fist in the air yes dot gif wow Um, yeah you're right that's what this is from this is like one of the first gifts if you just type in Seinfeld that pops up because it's so it's such a great affirmative yeah it could be thing. it could be literally for anything yeah yeah but I just love I love the generic you gotta love sports oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so funny um, so out of the car uh, Jay Peterman is driving George home he gets a call on his super awesome car phone. So we talk about how often, you know, cell phones would have helped out in the Seinfeld universe. Jay Peterman is living in the year 3000 here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he actually has a car phone and his mother is at death's door. Oh, yeah. Back at. Let me see. Is this? Yeah. Jerry's apartment. Elaine is on the phone and talking about going out with Fred being stood up. And Elaine is attracted to Fred because he doesn't remember her. Um, Fred seems to be, I don't know whether it's on purpose or not, but he seems to be a follower of what is it? The rules or the game? You know, I mean, like, this is like next level negging from Fred. You know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, uh, well, frankly, that's good. But, you know, sometime <laughs> in the last, sometime in the last, I don't know, 20 years or so, there was a guy, I want to say it was, do you, don't you remember that guy, the pickup artist or whatever? I think he even had an MTV show. I think so. I, I might be confusing and, and commingling a lot of things that don't necessarily belong together, but I believe they are all re- related. So this guy, like, wrote a book on how to get chicks and one of the yeah. things was like, you know, treat them like garbage, um, which unfortunately, you know, people have, you know, I'm sure everybody's seen work all the time. Like, you know, so forgetting a woman, not remembering or like doing this thing called negging, which was like, you know, backhand, essentially backhanded compliments, giving women backhanded compliments and that'll make them want to sleep with you. Um, yeah. So I, that's what, essentially what he's doing. Like, oh, sorry, I don't remember you. I remember everything else. And it really did attract, you know, it worked on Elaine. <laughs> And Elaine says that's sick about herself. She's like, wait a minute, I'm I'm attracted to him because uh, that's <laughs> sick. And she's like, so you know, how'd you get out of the Jay Peterman thing? He's like, oh, you know, I, I got it. What about George? He's like, ah, I didn't make it. <laughs> I love that delivery as if he like died. Oh, didn't make it. Uh, so Jay Peterman at Jay Peterman's mom's place. She is too weak to talk. The doctor says, but she can hear you. 
and George uh, awkwardly introduces himself to uh, the mom and I recognize this actress too did you recognize her I remember one specific role that got her widespread acclaim back in the 90s I'll say hmm okay I, I she did look familiar so she's another like you know uh, if you want an old woman you, you call her but she did rapper's delight in the wedding singer hmm yeah do you remember that when that was kind of a, a, a phenomenon I I've never seen the wedding singer well, good for you, first of all. But second of <laughs> all, people loved that this old lady, you know, was was rapping this old song, and and it was pretty funny. So, but I might do a little dive on her too. Back so at Jay Peterman's, you know, we get a little commercial break here, and uh, George has been there all night. He is sleeping with his jacket on oh. him on himself like a blanket, like leaned up against a wall. And Jay Peterman's like, you know, just talk to her. The doctor thinks it helps. And George starts talking about the fight with Susan. And he tells Jay Peterman's mom his code, which is Bosco. Another one of these weird, weird codes, um, <laughs> which is chocolate syrup. Have you ever had Bosco chocolate syrup? I have not. I'm I'm firmly a Hershey's guy. Yeah. But weirdly enough, Grace and I's dog's name is Bosco. That's right. That's crazy how you ended up with a Seinfeld <laughs> reference dog name without ever it's a, having seen this episode. It's a super deep cut Seinfeld reference. Yeah, yeah. People are going to think you're like number one fan. Like, <laughs> yeah. Especially like, I mean, thankfully, he's only gotten lost once. Uh, but like us just shouting, Bosco, Bosco, Bosco <laughs> is a direct quote we learned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so George, uh, t- I wonder if Bosco, I mean, I wrote down Bosco because I'm going to look it up and see if it's still for sale. I think it and- is. Oh, really? Oh, that's I, awesome. I, I think to- I've seen it. I don't know. Maybe I'll try and get some next time we go to the grocery store. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd love to. Um, we could do a long distance taste test. Yes. Uh, maybe, make, maybe make Bosco egg creams with it. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, su- I'm surprised whenever we made egg creams, you didn't tell me like, hey, yeah, get Bosco chocolate syrup. It'll it'll come into play later. Honestly, it, pr- it probably didn't occur to me, but um, I but that's probably why. Yeah. <laughs> But also, we hadn't we hadn't seen the episode yet. Yeah, even though it would have come into play later. True. So George feels good. He's like, oh my gosh, it feels good to like actually tell somebody that because it's been weighing on him ever since it came up. Uh, he's he's wanted to tell somebody, and the mom starts waking up saying Bosco, and then shouting Bosco, and then she dies, <laughs> and Jay Peterman goes Bosco, and George <laughs> just kind of shrugs like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Up in Jerry's apartment, uh, Jay Peterman wants George to go to the funeral, and he still won't tell anybody his code. Kramer tries to deduce George's code by, uh, you know, sort of figuring out what makes George tick, and he gets really close. He, he gets, I mean, he essentially <laughs> nails it. The only chocolate syrup he doesn't mention is Bosco, for crying out loud. <laughs> he um, just the the thing that, the things that he's saying is like so hyper specific to George. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he even says he's like, "You're a portly fella." A little long in the waistband. <laughs> yeah. What are you tempted by? The salty snacks? No. No, no you're a, you've sweet got a sweet tooth, tooth. guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, he lands on chocolate syrup. We just don't hear him mention Bosco, but George runs out of the room before he would have <laughs> inevitably stumbled upon it. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's like a sweet tooth guy, forever enslaved to the cocoa bean. <laughs> the cocoa bean, yeah. <laughs> Uh, over at Riverside Gramercy Chapels, where which we've been before, we, we were here pretty recently uh, at the Face Painter episode, season six, episode twenty-two. This is where Gary Fogel's funeral was as well, and it's not there anymore. But George and Elaine are there, and Jay Peterman's still confused about Bosco. Elaine makes up a story about leaving, and this was absolutely hilarious. She's like, like uh, George's like, actually, we both have to go. He's like, what are you doing, Elaine? He's like, I'm actually speaking at a women's rights conference. And then George goes, and I'm speaking at a men's conference. <laughs> and then Jay Peterman goes, George, I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> he just sees right through it. Yeah. yeah, George is off his game this episode, 100%. He is, he's missing every shot. Um, but I love that. I mean, how timely, too. It, the only thing that would have made this funnier now than then is if George says, I'm speaking at a men's rights conference. That, that's what I was. That's what I wrote, thinking like that's what he said. And I'm like... Whoa, this has got to be like 
one of the earliest refs to like a <laughs> men's rights conference. But then I took it back. I'm like, oh, he just he just says men's conference. Okay, that's that's for the better. Yeah, but I mean, it would have been so funny. But also, probably back in 1995, they were like, uh, "Take rights out. No one's ever going to do that. That's about. <laughs> that's literally the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Just say men's conference. There's no way in hell this country's going to devolve to the point where they have men's rights marches and rallies and stuff. <laughs> Too unbelievable. <laughs> Take it out. Um, yeah, and then he's like, you know, I remember back in Puerto Rico hearing stories of my wife had taken a lover. Maybe Bosco is the name of this lover. Hmm. Uh, up in Jerry's apartment, Kramer is taking all of his shortcuts to the fire station, and Jerry has patched things up with Leap and Larry, and <laughs> this was what a great little moment of mission statement here, because Kramer's like, well, the important thing is you learn something. Jerry's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> uh, no learning. It's right there. Hook and Ladder 8 is where Kramer is going. And Hook and Ladder 8 is still there at 14 Northmore Street in Tribeca. Uh-huh. Did you? Uh, it's still in service, too. Did this look familiar to you, Ted? It looked familiar instantly. And I was actually going to be upset if you didn't bring up what the exterior of Hook and Ladder 8 was used for. Yes, of course, it is the exterior of the Ghostbusters headquarters. Yep. I- I'm-, I'm surprised that they use such... <laughs> such a famous fire station for, for this, you know? Because yeah, I, yeah. I mean, Ghostbusters was mid '80s, right? Yeah, that sounds right. So, like, use literally any <laughs> other fire hall. Yeah, it's it's a pretty famous exterior, I guess. <laughs> I think it's one of the um, one of the only. I forget. It's got its own Lego set. It's like the third yeah. biggest Lego set of all time <laughs> it's something like five thousand pieces or something nuts good like that. lord really but yeah yeah oh my god yeah and <laughs> oh it looks like this is the actual look like they did lo- a location shoot like the lighting the sound you know the sound is not the sound is from in the room because it's kind of bouncing off the walls you can hear it like got that it's got that roomy sound to it it's not like on a sound stage and I mean, it's it's pretty obvious because a lot of there's a fire truck there. I mean, this looked like maybe they were not at Hook and Ladder Eight, but I mean, they were at a fire station. Interesting. Okay. It, it seemed like it, right? I mean, I noticed right away in the fire, like there's yeah, because it, like Kramer's yeah. Kramer's like following them out of the hallway, like they're going down the fire pole. Uh, it, actually, that was a really cool shot. That it just the camera just pans over to them yeah. like shooting down the pole. Uh, you see Kramer like land and just like knock into one of the guys. I'm <laughs> I'm skipping forward, like skipping over one of the Leap and Larry scenes. But Kramer like bumps into one of the guy, yeah. uh, kn- knocks him out, takes his coat and everything. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean I doubt they like decorated a, a state because it, it just looks like a working fire station. You know, yeah. there's buckets of of materials there's posters like safety posters and stuff up on the wall there's files mm-hmm. everywhere it looks like they just walked in and they were like no this is great it's what a fire station looks like thank you and, um, and like imagine imagine being the and actually this calls back to this current season of snl the season premiere where chris rock said like all of the audience was like first responders yeah and he's like yeah, we we just had to make sure that no one in New York had any emergencies for the night. Imagine <laughs> paying off a fire hall. Like, hey, yeah, don't go to any fires today. We need to film a TV show. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be there for hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I wonder how many of those dudes were actors, how many were like the chief and the guy that Kramer knocks into probably had to be actors. Mm-hmm. But, but I don't know. I, I wonder if there's any trivia about this. I'm definitely going to going to hopefully stumble across you know, something about the filming of this scene because it looked a little more intense than just being on a soundstage somewhere. Uh, the fire captain is, you know, when Kramer shows him all of his shortcuts, he's unimpressed. He's like, every week some hot shot comes in here thinking he knows better than us. Mm-hmm. We know we've been doing this a long time. We know what we're doing. Over at Leaping Larry's, Jerry's foot falls asleep again, and he stomps on the floor, knocking over like a, a big thing of turpentine or something, and he causes like, an electrical fire. Why is A, a can of turpentine open why yeah. is it next to exposed electrical wires? <laughs> and why is it just sti- like it's propped up and like precariously perched on the yeah. side of another can? Yeah, totally. I mean, when they when they do the investigation, they're going to find that, yeah, this fire was caused by negligence and somebody's going to pay. I don't know if it's going to be Leap and Larry. It could be the, the contractor. You know who's not going to pay? Insurance. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
And so uh, uh, back at Hook and Ladder 8, they get a call. Kramer takes the fire pole, as you mentioned. He lands on the dude, incapacitating him. And he grabs a coat and jacket dry, and jumps in the back. And um, yeah. I love that he when he the second he put on the helmet he hits his head on the ladder which mm-hmm. was hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it's so perfect. Like it looked like uh, he's just so good at that physical comedy. It looked like he didn't mean to do it, but you know it was coming. Over at the restaurant, Fred is with Elaine. Fred is rambling about his mom, and Elaine is hating life being <laughs> with this guy because he's so boring, and w- especially after realizing why she's actually attracted to him. Uh, over at the funeral, there's a big fire. I guess on that block, and the whole block is going up in flames. Everyone runs out except George. He stays on the couch, almost like praying for the sweet release of death. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the mood I got from him. Yeah. And Jay, Jay Peterman runs back and he's like, George, come on. Uh, <laughs> on the fire truck, the captain's given directions about what street they're going to take. And Kramer calls in from the radio in the back where he is. And he overrides the captain's directions. <laughs> Back at Leap and Larry's, they're trying to save as many appliances as they can, pulling them out of the building. The, Leap and Larry tells Jerry to turn on the scanner, and Jerry hears the captain and Kramer yelling at each other. In between this, we get shots of an out-of-control fire truck with mm-hmm. Kramer driving, um, and then we hear <laughs> static, and Cra- and then Jerry like turns off the scanner and goes, ah, that's a shame. Because <laughs> it literally is like, Kramer! <laughs> <laughs> So we get another shot here of a man stuck in an ATM vestibule. And Jay Peterman says, you know, to George, give me your card. And then they slip it under the door because the guy's like stuck in the ATM. And he's like, give me your code. It won't work without the cord, the code. And then George like hesitates. And that's where uh, we get the freeze frame. Which, okay, why couldn't Jay Peterman use his own card? I bet that Jay Peterman is a proud Luddite who doesn't have an an automatic teller machine card (laughs) you know he just seems like you know an adventurer that like he probably carries a lot of cash i I don't know how he gets it but maybe just by going into the bank but he seems like a guy who eschews technology Hmm. okay that's my that's my headcanon someone who publishes a black and white cat product catalog with uh very descriptive uh descriptions yeah hmm eschewing technology okay yeah, but like, what are those pr- product descriptions about? V- venturing around the world. You exactly. know, you're not going to find an ATM in the jungles of Burma. Mm-hmm. No, I'm. Why I'm do say- I need an ATM card? I'm, I'm saying it makes perfect sense. Oh, oh, good, good. <laughs> I mean, people. I thought you were saying like people need technology to to order from his catalog, which they do. Uh, but but <laughs> I'm, he seems I'm sure, like a guy. Who- please, a, a magazine. Well, it's. It's the size of a pamphlet, a pamphlet that is selling products that are like drawn in black and white. I'm sure there's a 1-800 number. Yeah, yeah, at least, at least. Um, And we do get one more scene at George's. Susan got George money, and then she goes, anyone for Bosco? Because obviously he gave her the code, because what does it matter now? And to me, that means that like the floodgates are open, that like he saved the guy in the ATM. He didn't let him burn to death. <laughs> and uh, he saved the guy in the ATM, and now he's like, "Well, I might as well." If Jay Peterman and this random dude know, and all these people on the street know my code, I might as well just tell Susan. Uh, so the floodgates are open, and Jerry is looking at a catalog, the Jay Peterman catalog, and he notices a product called the Rogue's Wallet, <laughs> and it ends with like his name was Costanza. He killed my mother. <laughs> God damn! <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the that's the total end of the episode. <laughs> okay, so what do we have for homework? Uh, all right, we'll look at ATMs again. I, I know we've done it before, um, but we'll look at ATMs again in the mid-90s. The character actor who played Fred, the actress who played Jay Peterman's mom, we'll look up Machamba, see if that's anything, and do a little dive on Bosco as well. All Just right. dive right into a big old glass of Bosco. Oh, baby. Uh, <laughs> all right, what did you like visually about this episode for cover art? Ah, good question. Good question there's, what do you like do you have anything there's one thing that stuck out to me and just because it was like so goofy um it's when jay peterman got the call for his mom being at death's door uh nice. he pulls a u-turn in traffic and george just face plants into the window that's a classic that's a classic shot uh, also kramer on the back of the fire truck is a classic shot that's true yeah both of those are, are pretty good yeah i will uh, again leave it up to you uh okay so what do we want to do about the description. So we had George conceals his ATM code from fiance Susan, semicolon, guest John O'Hurley. Hmm. I think I like it. I do too. Do we need guest John O'Hurley at this point? 
I probably do. Probably do. I mean, I'll, I I don't hate it. Oh, if only it just it does let you know that it's a Jay Peterman episode too. And, That's true. And he's gonna, you know, it, it says Jay Peterman does this without having to add anything about Jay Peterman. It's like, oh, John O'Hurley's here. I like mm, that. Yeah, you're right. Um, okay, so yeah, I, I say we keep it. Sweet. Okay, so next week we've got season seven, episode eight, the pool guy. Original air date, November 16th, 1995. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see the pool man at Jerry's Health Club wants to be his best friend. Hmm. I remember a little bit of this episode. It seems like we might be dealing a little bit with topics that we dealt with very early in the run of the show with male unbonding and, and dudes having friends and making friends when mm-hmm. you're an adult and stuff like that. So um, we'll see. Hopefully that's good. Did you like this episode, by the way? I, I liked talking about it better than watching it i think i think i'm in the same boat i liked the second half of the episode mm-hmm, much mm-hmm. more than the first half i thought the first half was very dry yeah um but yeah i noticed that too yeah i was like oh not i was like on the verge of bored like, watching the first half of the episode i i think uh and this is very grim i think the episode picked up once jay peterman's mom died <laughs> yeah she was bringing it down oh man she's <laughs> such a bummer yeah <laughs> Uh, All right. So is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. 